0: You mad that, you know, I'm calling you a non-believer when you act like a non-believer in some areas of your life? Welcome to Core Truth Radio,
1: a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Now here's Pastor Steve with today's Core Truth.
0: Part of God's calling is for us to imitate Him, to be an example of Christ in our everyday life to the everyday people that are around us. I have to catch myself at times, you know, something will start happening and, you know, things start getting set up and you start getting a little hot under the collar. You don't like what's happening, this, that and whatever. And then I'll, you can feel yourself like, you know, the hair is starting to kind of, you know, get a little, uh, you know, and and I have to catch myself. And then I'm like, OK, I have to, you know, watch what I say here, I have to, you know, because I don't want my flesh just to come out. I need to be careful. You know, when my neighbor reacts or says something to me and I kind of want to like, oh yeah, well, sure. Okay, no problem. I want Christ to be seen in my life. It's easy to walk in love around people that love you, right? But he's not asking us just to walk in love around people that love us. It's like, hey, if you love those who love you, what, what work was that? I mean, even the, the worst sinner does that. I mean, he, he takes care of the people that love him. But we're to walk in love around those who aren't lovable. Okay, now that's work, okay? So we're to love one another just like Christ loves us. And again, this isn't easy. Jesus is the ultimate example of this kind of love. And so we so appreciate God's unmerited love for us, of course, because he forgives us, he encourages us. But in the same way, we are to love and to forgive those that are around us. Now, when we do that, it becomes, again, a great witness of God's love for them. As people will wonder, why are you being so loving and so kind? When you forgive someone who obviously doesn't deserve your forgiveness and you forgive them, do you think that's just a pat on your back? No, it shows like they know you're a Christian. You talk about Christ. And when you do Christ-like stuff, it empowers the message. So people can mock you for being a Christian. People can laugh at you for being a Christian. People can do all these things because you're a Christian. But when it comes time to when the chips are down in their life, And the chips will be down in their life at some point, right? Because the chips are down in everyone's life at some point. They will come to you. Are you going to go to your party animal buddies when you have tragedy in your life? They're as messed up as you are. You're not going to go to them. You need to go to someone who's got a life that's stabilized. And that's what living the life and imitating Christ gives us, that open door. You know, so that it opens the door so those very cold hearts can hear the good news of a God in heaven that loves them. I remember this one time I was speeding. <laughs> it's like, imagine that, me driving over the speed limit. But anyway, I was, and I was, uh, I was coming out of Oceanside. And so a CHP got behind me and turns the lights on. And I'm thinking, well, I'm busted. I was going over the speed limit, you know. But there was this guardrail uh, right then when you first come out of Oceanside on the 5 Freeway. And, it, you know, I didn't want to have to get right up next to the guardrail, than him have to open his door to get out of his car to, to you know, come up and give me a ticket. So I was thinking of him. So I, I waited, and that guardrail went for like a half mile or three quarters of a mile. And, and then as soon as the guardrail ended, I pulled over. And then he comes in behind me. Oh, he was so mad at me. I mean, I get out of the car. and am like, how's it going, officer? And he goes, why didn't you pull over? As soon as I hit the lights, you're supposed to pull over. I mean, he was just veins popping out of his neck. He's yelling at me. And I'm just like, oh, my goodness, okay. Like, like you know, when the, the guy's going to give you a ticket, you don't want to tick him off, okay. <laughs> you know? And so I'm like, well, sir, sir. And he's like, what? He's, what? he's just screaming at me. And I'm just thinking like, Is it that big of a deal? (laughs) And I said, well, sir, first of all, I'm a Christian, and I just want to apologize. Uh, I wasn't trying to make you angry. I just thought if I pulled over next to the guardrail, which was right there, that you'd have to open your door with the traffic and everything. I, I just didn't want you to have to get out of the car in the traffic. So as soon as the guardrail ended right there, I pulled over. I was just wanting to give you more space. And he's like, looks back at the guardrail, looks at me, and I'm like, I'm sorry. And he says, <laughs> you know, and it's like, you know, the Bible says in Proverbs, a gentle answer turns away wrath. He felt so bad for yelling at me when I was just kind of looking out for him that he goes, uh, this piece of wood's hanging kind of out of the back of your car. Don't, you yeah, know, okay, see you later. Buddy. <laughs> it's like, he, he didn't even give me a ticket, I'm just like, Thank you, Jesus, you know. But, you know, there's just something that people can see at times in you. So verse 3 tells us to not let any immorality or impurity be named among us. Now, this is a direct reference to sexual sin. Now, this is the opposite of God's love. Understand, God is the one that created sex, obviously, and he designed it for two people who have committed themselves to each other in an agreement, those who come to a covenant relationship of marriage. Notice that sexual relationship is not supposed to be in the dating relationship. It's not supposed to be in the engagement part of the relationship. It's when marriage vows have been spoken and committed to. So any sexual relationship outside of marriage is sin. Now, we are to accept this. And we're to embrace this. That means that they're in a dating relationship, a courting relationship, even to the point where you're in you're in, uh, engaged to one another. There should be no touching, feeling, or any other type of contact that will cause excited, sexual feelings for one another. So he said, this should not even be named among you. Unfortunately, there's a lot of Christian couples that, you know, they come together and they're having sex with each other, and yet... They're coming to church and all of this. And it's like, well, you know what? Guess what? That's sin. And one of the reasons he included greed in there is that a person who is seeking sex outside of marriage is coveting what is not his. It is not his to have that sexual relationship. It's not hers to have that sexual relationship until you come into that covenant relationship of marriage. So it's that person that is not willing To pay the price of the commitment of marriage, but yet wants the benefits of marriage. That's why God says you are not to have that. So the Bible doesn't teach safe sex. Oh yes, you can wear these different things on your body and have safe sex. No, no. The Bible teaches save sex, not safe sex, but save sex until marriage. And it's it's not that it's easy to do that when so many around us are taking part of that. But this is what God has called for. So for those of you that are single, you know, look, my heart goes out to you. This is something I'm sure that, you know, you want to experience with someone of the opposite sex. But, you know, wait on the Lord and wait for that person to come into your life and allow God to bless that for you. But he does say in First Thessalonians 4.3, he says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification. That is, that you abstain from sexual immorality, which would be sex outside of marriage, because God created sex for the marriage, so it's only sexual immorality, it's only immoral when you're out of marriage. He says that each one of you learn how to possess his own vessel in sanctification, that means possess your own body being set apart in honor, not in lustful passion like the Gentiles who do not know God. For God has not called us for the purpose of impurity. And he goes on to say in First Thessalonians 4, eight, he says, so he who rejects this, so like if you're rejecting this and you're saying, oh, I don't want to adhere to that, you're not rejecting man, but you're rejecting God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Now, I remember I was called to go uh, preach at this Baptist camp. So I went up, and there was hundreds of high schoolers up at this camp, and they had a ton of college-age students who were like the leaders and everything at this camp. And I remember I got on this subject up there, and, uh, boy, I was pulled aside by the leadership afterwards, and they were chewing me out for saying this. And I'm saying, really? you know, And what I realized was, they were so convicted by this message because many of them were having sex with one another. And so I'm saying, so did you know how that went on? It went on and said, if you reject this, you're not rejecting man, you're rejecting God. And so if you are rejecting this message, then you are rejecting what God has for you. And so let's just say that uh, I didn't take their thing. I didn't politically correct fall to them i spoke twice to that camp i got up and i even nailed it down even harder the next time and it's just like you know Imagine me doing that. But anyway, it was like, oh, so you're going to reject God's word now because of this. So, uh, yeah, let's just say they never invited me back to their camp. But that's okay with me because there's many times I'm not invited back. And if you're not going to invite me back because I teach God's word without compromise, then you know what? I don't need to speak at your camp anymore anyway. So, yes, the Bible says that this is not just what the pastor says. This is what God has spoken himself. And it's not easy, but when we adhere to this, it instills in us discipline. It instills in us training and obedience. It's a code of behavior that God will bless in this life by bringing the right person into our life. And know this, the faster you adhere to what God says here, the faster he will bring that person into your life. But if you're not adhering to this as a single person, then he's not going to bring that person in your life because God is not going to drop his little princess on you when you haven't learned to discipline your own life. And, and for the ladies, he's not going to drop that prince charming on you until you learn to discipline this area in your life. And notice in verse 4 of chapter 5, he gives us three types of language. He kind of shifts gears now. He gives us three types of language that should not be coming out of our mouths. First, he says, filthiness. That's shameful obscenities should not be coming out of our mouth. Number two, foolishness, which in the original Greek language means buffoonery or acting like an idiot. And number three, coarse jesting. That's vulgar and double-meaning jokes that you turn around and say, oh, oh, I was just kidding. I didn't mean that. Get your mind out of the gutter. Yes, just by the way that we talk, people should know that we're different. About a year ago. There's an actor, he's in a lot of movies, I don't want to give his name because I don't want to embarrass him or whatever, you know, but he used to play ball up there all the time. And so, you know, we kind of became, you know, acquaintances and what have you. And and so uh, I remember I was coming back on an airplane and, uh, from somewhere and I was reading an article in a magazine that they were interviewing him. And he was just talking about his mother and as she had such a you know, strong relationship with God and, you know, all of this. So the next time we were playing basketball, I go, hey, listen to your mom. <laughs> you know, it's like, hey, you should do what your mom says, you know. And he got so mad at me. He goes, well, I'm a Christian. I'm a believer. And I'm like, really? You know, and I just said, I would have never known. I mean, you know, you're always dropping the F-bomb and, you know, your language and all of this stuff. You know, I go, oh, well, okay, well, I never knew that. And he got really mad at me for judging him. You know, like, why would I judge him? And I'm just like, you know, well, how was I supposed to know that you're a believer when everything out of your mouth, not well, not everything, because you know he's a nice guy and everything, but but it's just there was a lot of filthy language, and the Bible says, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. So how am I supposed to know you're a believer when that's coming out of your mouth, you know? So you know, people will get offended by these things, but how am I supposed to know that? You mad that you know I'm calling you a non-believer when you? Act like a non-believer in some areas of your life. So, again, when we live a life of godliness, if you have... You know, certain words that come out of your mouth that are unclean words or you like telling dirty jokes or something like that. You know, this is going to rob you of this opportunity of building that, that character and that integrity of being an imitator of Christ. So that when people, people look at you, they're going to think, well, if you talk like I do, you act like I do, then why would I think you're a believer? Like you don 't have anything that I need you don't there's nothing in your life that that makes me want after what you have. See again, this is why we need to change and alter how we act around those around us. Our second point here is, do not be deceived let 's read what he says here in verse five. He says, "For this, you know, uh, with certainty that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater." has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you. Don't let them deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. For the fruit of the light consists of all goodness and righteousness and truth. Verse 10, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. And do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. For it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which you are done by them in secret. But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light. For everything that becomes visible is light. Yes, we are not to be deceived. Now, that word deceived in the original language means to cheat or to delude ourselves. Yes, when we fall to like a sexual sin, when we follow after the things that we know are wrong, we delude ourselves or we cheat ourselves. See, God will allow guilt and shame to fill our hearts to discourage us, from staying in those sins. But if we rebel against the Holy Spirit in our own heart, if we by our own will uh, refuse to repent and turn away from those things that are causing us to be separated from God, and we refuse to listen to the tugging of the Holy Spirit, then we will be deceived. We will be deluded. We will be cheated out of God's best for us. We're cheating ourselves out of God's best. Some people will try to console us with empty words, saying things like, oh, it's okay. Well, everyone's doing it. Come on, it's the 21st century. But know this, God will never go against his word. What was sin 5,000 years ago is still sin today, and it'll be sin tomorrow also. And if we rebel against God, verse 6 says, the wrath of God will come upon us. Yes, we must submit ourselves all of ourselves that is to christ and when we do god will bless our lives now again this doesn't mean that we're all going to be perfect and we're going to mess up at times and we need to go to the lord and ask him for forgiveness of those times but again you know as single women you know wait for a man that will treat you with respect who will love you to the end you know wait for that man that was not going to ask you to compromise your faith and you men Wait for a woman who will stand by you, a woman that will pray for you and become one with you. So stop chasing after you know things that are not righteous for us in this world. As we all know, before Christ, we all used to walk in darkness, right? I know I did, but now we are children of the light. Jesus again said, I'm the light of the world, and his light will expose the darkness. The true Christian should expose those who walk in darkness around us so that they can see the light. Not judging them, but trying to draw them into a personal relationship with Christ. Like, remember what we were told in 1 Corinthians 6, 9, it says, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? He says, Do not be deceived or deluded Neither fornicators, that's those who have sex outside of marriage, or idolaters, nor uh, adulterers, those having sex with someone else that's married, nor effeminate, that is some kind of sexual perversion, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. That should make us think for a second. Man, the people that I know, if they're involved with these things, they're not going to go to heaven. Does that move me inside? Does that move me to like, maybe I want to share with them. You know, maybe they'll get mad at me for sharing with them, but I want to share with them. But he says, make the most of your time because the days are evil. Jeez, are the days evil right now? He says, make the most of our time if we have the message of hope. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of God is, you know. Understand those things because he goes on to say, such were some of you, you know. But you were washed and you were sanctified, you know, therefore you're justified now in the name of the Lord Jesus. So, so we were these things, the very things that we see a lot of people falling to around us. We did those same things, or some of them. And if we weren't doing the same thing they are doing, we were doing something equally as bad. So it's like, unless someone would have shared with us, we'd be in the same mess. Which brings up our quick point here, awake and arise. And it says here in verse 14, for this reason, it says, awake sleeper and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Wake up, he says. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men and women, but as wise, again, making the most of your time, because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Yes, we are to make the most of our days. Time is not guaranteed for me nor is it guaranteed for you. We are here today, but none of us knows what tomorrow is going to bring. Verse 15 says, to walk as wise men, and of course women, we are to walk with our eyes on eternity. Remember, if we put all of our hope on temporary things, then all of our hope will only be temporary, right? Right? if that's where our hope is. But if we put our hope on eternal things, then our hope will last for all of eternity. We as Christians are to awake, to live for the eternal, arise from the life of a worthless and dead Christianity. If our Christianity only comes out at church, then we are only following just a religion at best a Sunday, a, a Thursday night Bible study. But if our faith is real, if our faith is truly alive, then let it breathe. Let it consume us. Verse 16 says to redeem the time, meaning we are to make the most of every day. We're to hold the words of eternal life within us. Our culture is made a term for the worse, obviously. Everything that's happening, it just seems like it's just getting worse and worse. And the older you are, the more you realize how bad it's getting. You know, when I grew up, I grew up in a time way different than this. It was the 60s when I grew up. And it's like, it was so much different than it is today. So we need to make the most of our time. We're to hold the words of eternal life within us. Verse 17 says, don't be foolish. Know what will the will of the Lord is. We need to know that. And we need to know God's will. And and what is that? First Timothy 2.3 says this. This is a good and acceptable thing in the sight of God our Savior who desires, listen, all men to be saved and to come into the knowledge of the truth. You want to know what God's ultimate will and desire is? It's not to judge the world. It's not to just take those people who are wicked and, and just, I'm going to set them straight. No. His desire is that all men and all women would be saved and come into a true knowledge of him. For there is one God and there's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all the testimony born at a proper time. So, so, you know, as much as God loves us and gave his life for us, God loves your enemy, the people that have hurt you. The people you don't like. You know, some of you are like, you know, it's not that, you know, my husband or my wife, it's like, it's, I don't know if I love them anymore. In fact, I don't even know if I like them. <laughs> but, you know, God loves them. And God wants to do a work in our lives so much so that it can be seen by those around us. Listen to the heart of the Apostle Paul, and we'll end with this. 1 Corinthians two one says, And when I come to you, brethren, I did not come to you with superiority of speech. He could have. He was a Pharisee and a very good one at that. Because I didn't come to you with superiority of speech or of wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God. For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. He goes, I just want to share with you how much God loves you, how much there's forgiveness because he died on the cross, how much there's eternal life because he he gave it to everyone. And so that's what his message was. And so here the Apostle Paul, who could have been the Einstein of complete and total biblical knowledge, he's just like, man, I just want you to know that there's a God. He died on the cross for you and that you can be forgiven.
1: Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to Pastor and Bible Teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app. Core Truth is sponsored by and is a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you've been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA, all one word, to 77977. You can also give via our app, and online at corechurchla.org. Or you can mail your support to P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California, 90034. Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel